Today, I want to talk about three defining moments where I faced my fear and it changed my life. Welcome to the Always Evolving Podcast. This is a podcast about living an awake, aware, conscious life. If it helps to evolve us as individuals, we will likely cover it at some point on this podcast. Because after all, we are always evolving and in all ways. I'm your host, Erica Boucher. Right now, when I look at the state of the world, if there was one word to encapsulate what we are dealing with, the word would be fear. As I record this podcast, it is mid-December in 2020. We've had fears around the environment, fears around the political climate and everything that's been going on, fears around COVID and our health, fears around the economy. There seems to be so much fear circulating in the air right now. Anxiety is higher than it's ever been. Depression is higher than it's ever been. It's just really, well, it's a scary time for a lot of people. So I thought this was a perfect time to talk about what it looks like when we face our fears and what happens when we come out on the other side of it when we face our fears. Because we're reaching the end of 2020. We're starting to look forward into 2021. And what a great time for us to start thinking about how we want things to look, but also more importantly, how we want to show up, who we want to be in any situation that we find ourselves in. Because one thing, again, that 2020 has shown us is that we don't have as much control as we tend to think we do. What we do have control over, however, is how we handle a situation, how we respond in a situation, how we show up for ourselves and for the world around us in any given situation. So this just felt like a wonderful time to talk about facing our fears. And I want to tell you about these three times where I faced my fears, and I can honestly say it changed my life. The first one was when I quit my job and I took a huge cut in pay to work at a homeless shelter. Prior to that decision, I had been working in the legal field as a legal assistant and paralegal for 10 years. And I was really restless. I wasn't happy. I felt tied to a desk and I was doing monotonous work, administrative paperwork, stuck behind a computer all day long. I was always watching the clock, waiting for it to be time to go home. And I just felt like anybody could do the work that I was doing. I wanted something that allowed me to be creative, something where my work was always changing and I had an opportunity to continuously grow in the work that I was doing. In an attempt to figure out what was next and, and give myself an opportunity for growth and development, I left the legal field and took a job in the corporate world, in corporate America. It didn't take long for me to realize that that was not the answer. I was not happy in that situation either. Within a matter of months, I started doing some serious soul searching. 
I was a recent graduate of Rollins College in Winter Park, and my background and training was in human behavior and communication. And I knew that I had the ability to do more with the education that I had received. There was a a writer in me, even back then. I always loved my writing classes and my courses in school, and I just wanted to do more. So even though I had already graduated, I went back to the employment counselor at Rollins and I said, I'm really lost. My life doesn't seem to have much purpose or meaning. I really want to feel like I'm making a difference in the world. I want to get up on Monday morning and be enthusiastic and excited. And I didn't want to have that Sunday evening feeling of dreading the week ahead of me. I really wanted to feel like I had the ability to be creative. I wanted to know that I was making a difference in the world. And I wanted to have the freedom to keep growing and evolving personally and professionally with no limit to what I could do. And I didn't know exactly what this was going to look like. I had no idea. So we started with finding a job that felt purposeful, that would allow me to be on purpose and feeling like I was making a difference in the world and in the lives of others. I'll skip a lot of the steps and a lot of the details, but long story short, I ended up being offered a job at a shelter for homeless families where I was asked to create a comprehensive rehabilitation program for homeless adults. So there was my opportunity to be in service and be on purpose, but also be creative because this was a program that didn't already exist. I was creating it from scratch and I really sunk my teeth into that opportunity. The interesting thing about it though is in order for me to take that job, because I would be working for a nonprofit organization, I took a cut in pay of about $10,000 a year. It didn't matter. I was so desperate for purpose and meaning and a creative outlet and freedom that I took the job. I remember my dad saying to me at the time, he said, Erica, I don't understand. You just graduated from college. You're supposed to be making more money, not less. And all I could say to him was, I know it doesn't make any sense and I can't explain it to you, but I just know this is something I have to do. I took that cut in pay. I took the job and that experience changed my life. It's because of that defining moment that I'm actually sitting here talking to you today, recording this podcast, because what happened was I created this program that ended up being four weeks long. It was Monday through Friday from nine to four every week. These were homeless adults that had lost their jobs, lost their homes, and found themselves living in this shelter. And my job was to help them discover who they are, what they want, so they could start living more consciously and intentionally, making more intentional choices, conscious choices, so that the accumulation of their life choices over time would start to lead them in a new direction. In that program, I had four weeks with them. The first week was focused all around their relationship with themselves. 
getting them to start thinking about and answering the questions, who am I and why am I here? Interestingly, those were the exact same questions I was asking myself before I took that job. It's what led me to start thinking, really thinking, what do I want from my life? What do I want my life to look like? What's going to make me happy? And once I started asking those questions, my life started taking on a completely different trajectory. And that was exactly what I was hoping would happen for them as well. So the first week we focused all around who am I and why am I here? Really getting to know ourselves and accept ourselves and love ourselves. The second week was focused on emotions. Who am I with regards to my emotions? And we talked a lot about forgiveness and basically wherever our energies hung up in the past, wherever we are holding on to resentment, wherever anger is just weighing us down and holding us back, that was our opportunity to look at that and set ourselves free. And again, the same work I was doing with them was the same work I was doing for and with myself. Then the third week, we started focusing on relationships and communication skills. Their relationship with themselves and their emotions, we had already kind of dived into that, but now we were starting to focus on their relationships with other people, children, if they had children, siblings, parents, neighbors, bosses, coworkers. It really doesn't matter who you are and where you are in your life. We're all in relationships. Life is all about relationships. And when we don't have strong communication skills and healthy relationship skills, our lives suffer. And so again, as I was working with them on their communication and relationship skills, I also was learning and growing and evolving in those ways. And finally, in week four, we took all of that self-love, self-understanding, emotional intelligence, and communication and relationships skills and training. We took all of that and started focusing on career development. So really honing in on what is it that I want? What kind of work do I want to do? What are my skills and interests? What are my values? Where do my values and my skills and interests line up? That work was so incredibly rewarding for me, and it was super effective for them. Much to my surprise, because again, this program didn't exist. I was creating this from scratch, and it was beautiful to see the effect that it had on them and the outcomes that we were seeing. I had people coming to the program on the first day and they were angry and resentful because they were being required to go through this course with me. This wasn't a voluntary course. It was a requirement. And these were people that were here at the shelter and they just wanted to get out. They didn't have any interest in sticking around and taking a course for a month. But once they understood the work that we were doing together, they changed their tune. And within a matter of hours, if not minutes, they would have a completely different attitude and they were eager to do the work. They were soaking it up. They loved it. And when we had our first group graduation, one month after the very first class that I ever taught at this shelter, there was not a dry eye in the house. 
Everybody was moved. Everyone was crying because everyone was grateful because they felt like they knew themselves for the first time in their lives. It was such a powerful and amazing experience. And I cried because I remember thinking, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a difference. And I knew I was doing exactly that. That was such a powerful experience that other people in the community started sending friends and family members that were struggling. Maybe they were going through a divorce or they were feeling depressed or they were having a lot of anxiety or they were just lost in some way or going through some sort of a life transition. And over the years, it just kept evolving. And then I went out into the community and continued teaching these courses and people were eating it up because it's not really something that's being taught anywhere else. You might be able to pick up a self-help book and get one piece of that puzzle, but nowhere else do I really know of an all-encompassing program such as that. And it led to the work that I'm doing today. I started writing. During my time working with the homeless, I started writing my first book, Showing Up Naked, which is all about peeling away the layers to your authentic self. So you could be really clear, crystal clear about who you are and what you want. And I've been doing this work ever since. And here I am 20 years later, and I've been offering yoga teacher trainings, life coaching, both private and group life coaching courses. I've got this published book, Showing Up Naked, and I lead group travel around the world every year. All of this is a result of the fact that I faced my fear in that defining moment. I took that big cut in pay. And when I started the job, when I showed up, there was nothing, it was a completely new position. They had received grant money for this adult leadership center, but that was it. There, was, there wasn't even a computer. I, I had a desk, <laughs> but there was no computer. There wasn't even a phone. I had nothing really to start with. And I spent about three months really just trying to pull this program together to write it and to create it. And I remember at one point, it was probably about a week into that, and I was walking around the shelter with a blank legal pad and a pen in my hand trying to figure out where to start. And it just all felt so overwhelming and so abstract and so vague that it, it scared me. And I remember walking along the sidewalk at the shelter and I stopped and I thought, what am I doing here? I'm a legal secretary. What am I doing here? And for a moment, I started to fantasize about how much better my old jobs were. And that's when I had to shake my head and kind of like break myself out of that reverie for a moment and, and say to myself, Erica, wait a minute, you, you tried for 10 years to get out of that work. You knew you wanted something different. You knew you wanted to be creative and that you wanted to have the freedom to constantly grow and evolve with your work. And you knew you wanted to make a difference. This just is scary because it hasn't been done yet. It's scary because you're outside of your comfort zone. So I had to have a conversation with myself. I had to really pay attention to my self-talk. 
And I'd say that that's probably one of the biggest lessons from that experience. I learned how important it is to notice and pay attention to my self-talk. And the conversation, as soon as I did that, the conversation took a different turn because then I started talking back to that voice of fear and saying, of course, this looks different. Of course, this is uncomfortable. You're outside of your comfort zone. And then I gave myself a little pep talk. Stick with it. Stay with it. Give it six months. If at the end of six months, you still feel this same way, you can always go back into the old field. You can always find a job working for another attorney or working for another corporation. There's plenty of those out there. But give yourself six months and move through the awkwardness because you're doing something completely different. And I am so, so grateful that I did. Because those two years working at the homeless shelter were probably the most rewarding years of my life. It changed my life. And that would never have had an opportunity to happen if I had let my fear take over. If I had let my fear stop me. Number one, I wouldn't have taken the job because taking the huge cut in pay would have been way too scary. And I wouldn't have stayed there because I would have felt like this is weird and uncomfortable and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to go back to something that feels safe and comfortable for me. That defining moment of facing my fear, quitting my job, and embarking on a completely new venture changed my life. The second defining moment that changed my life and taught me what it looks like to face my fear was when I went skydiving. I remember walking down the street with a friend of mine and I had this thought that I'm not doing the things that I had said that I would do in my life. I was in my late 20s and realized that, so backing up a little bit, Back when I was like 17 years old, I had created a kind of like a life bucket list. I didn't call it that, but it was like a life to-do list or a goal list. Things that I wanted to do and experience and accomplish in my life. And on this day in my late 20s, as I'm walking down the street with my friend, I realized I hadn't yet done a lot of what was on that list. And I also realized, I remember asking myself, what is holding you back? One of the things that was on that list was skydiving. I knew that at some point in my life, I wanted to experience skydiving. The second one, so there were two things that I thought about that day that I wanted to do that I had not yet done. The second one was nude modeling. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But first, I'm going to talk about the skydiving incident and what that taught me. So that day, I picked up my phone. The day that I'm talking about where I was with my friend walking down the street, I picked up my phone and I contacted a skydiving company that was about an hour from my house. And I asked them how much it was going to be and what were the details. And I scheduled my skydiving trip for about 10 days out. And I did that on purpose because I knew that I was going to get scared and I was going to want to chicken out. (laughs) And I wanted to use this as an opportunity to observe my mind 
and my thinking process and see what I did with that fear. So I went into this with the intention that I'm going to witness my own thoughts and observe my own thought process as I get closer and closer to the jump date. And sure enough, as I got closer, I started to think things like, I'm too busy. I have way too much to do. I I just can't take the time to do this. And then I looked at that excuse that I was making for myself and I, and I challenged it. Is that really true? So again, I'm, I'm doing the self-talk thing. I'm talking myself through this. Is that really true that you don't have the time to do it? And I realized it wasn't true. Anything that was important enough to me, I could make the time for it. And we were talking about a half a day from my life. So I knew I could make this happen. The other excuse that I was toying with, right, was it's too expensive. It's too expensive. I don't need to spend that money right now. And then I looked at that fear and I challenged it. Is that really true? It really wasn't that expensive. It was like $150. And I knew that if it was something I really wanted and I wasn't letting my fear stop me, that $150 would not have been an issue. It was just my fear looking for an out. So again, I faced that fear and I moved forward. The day arrives. By this time, I have faced the fears that had come up and there was no fear left. I was just excited. There was nothing but excitement for me at that point. So I put on the jumpsuit, we get on the plane, we head up in the air, even up to the moment where we jumped, because it was a tandem jump, of course, even up to the moment where we jumped, there was no fear because I had already faced that fear leading up to that event. And I decided I was not going to give fear a leg up. I wasn't going to let it develop any traction in my life. And so sure enough, I jumped. It was an amazing experience. In fact, it was so amazing that a couple years later, I was leading a yoga teacher training not far from the place where I did my skydiving. And when this came up in conversation, several people in the group said, I want to go skydiving. So I contacted the skydive center in DeLand. This was Skydive DeLand in Florida and made an arrangement for us to do a small group skydive. There were a couple people that weren't interested in doing it and that was totally fine. They were able to take pictures and all of that. But the rest of us, including me, went skydiving and had an amazing experience. So not only did I skydive once, I skydived twice. But even more than the skydiving itself, what I loved and appreciated so much about that experience was the fact that I faced my fear. I observed my fear rearing its head. I witnessed it. I identified it. I basically had a conversation with myself, you know, again, working with my own self-talk, like my relationship with myself. And I faced that fear and I went for it. And that was incredibly empowering, incredibly empowering. So in that first defining moment that I talked about where I quit my job, took the big cut in pay and went to work at the homeless shelter, for me, that was all about facing my fear and noticing my self-talk, right? Starting to talk myself through 
some of the situations where in the past I would have let the fear stop me. Then the skydiving was really about observing my mind, like really noticing what my mind does in the face of fear and the excuses that it comes up with in the face of fear. And the third time I faced my fear, that third defining moment was when I did some nude modeling. So let me give you a little bit of backstory about why I even wanted to do that. When I was 18 and 19 years old, my boyfriend at the time was an art student. He was going to Ringling School of Art and Design in Sarasota, and he used to show me some of his coursework, some of his artwork from his classes. One of them was the human body, like sketching the human body. And he would show me these sketches and they were of nude models. And I was really blown away by that. And I remember asking him, wow, what's that like? So there's just like a naked person standing in front of a room full of people while they draw them? And he said, yeah, <laughs> pretty much that's what it is. So I remember thinking that that really fascinated me because I thought, in order for a person to be able to stand in front of a room full of people naked, they must be really comfortable in their own skin. They must be really comfortable in their body. And I remember thinking, I'm going to do this someday. Someday I'm going to do exactly that model nude for an art class. So that same day that I picked up the phone and scheduled my skydiving experience, I also contacted the Maitland Art Center here in Central Florida, and they had a class on being an artist's model, and it was about modeling nude. And it was a course, it was a class they offered, it was like three hours on a Sunday, and I went ahead and signed up for it, not because I really necessarily wanted to make a career out of nude modeling, but I just wanted to do it once because I felt like that was an opportunity for me to claim my space in the world and to feel comfortable in my own skin. So I took this class, sitting in a room with maybe 15 other people, while they talk about, while these instructors talk about what this kind of work is like, when you might be hired to do this kind of thing, what kind of poses to do, how long you're going to be holding these poses for, that sort of thing, the kind of money that you could make. And surprisingly, you can make pretty good money. I was receiving offers after taking that class where I would be modeling for up to an hour and I would make 80 to to $100 in some situations, sometimes more. I never took up any of those opportunities. I never took a paying modeling gig because it was never why I did it. I did it for me. But during that three or so hour class that I took, they were preparing us for what this would be like. And then at the end, we were each expected to disrobe and model nude while they brought in a bunch of their art students. As it got closer, by the way, as soon as I knew that this was happening and that in a matter of minutes or an hour or two, I was going to be expected to be standing nude in that very room that I was sitting in. 
then it started to get real. And I started to, I started to look for the door, literally, literally looking for the door and thinking, is there any way that I can slip out of here without anybody noticing? (laughs) And so really starting to visualize and plan my exit. I go into the ladies room where I and some of the other ladies, we were asked to bring a robe. I brought a sarong instead. So anyway, we're in the bathroom and I've got my sarong on and I'm again engaging in that self-talk, talking myself through the fear because I made the choice to do this. This was something that I wanted to do. There was a reason behind it. There was an intention behind it. And I wanted to see it through. I wanted to keep that promise to myself because I knew if I left, if I walked out that door and didn't follow through, I was going to be disappointed in myself. It would have felt like I let myself down because I knew this was something I could do. I knew I was capable of doing this. I go back into the main room. All of these art students come shuffling in. There's probably about 40 of them. And it's my turn to walk up on the stage, drop my sarong, find a position, a pose that I could hold for five to 10 minutes and just get comfortable there. And so I remember standing there with my sarong on, all these people in the room, and I'm the one that's getting naked, right? And I remember thinking, well, you're either doing it or you're turning around and you're leaving. And I knew I wasn't leaving. So I grabbed a hold of the sarong, I stepped out of it, and the most interesting thing happened. It felt so incredibly natural. It was the strangest experience. I didn't feel, I wasn't like trying to hide myself. There was none of that. It was just the most natural thing in the world. I felt confident. And I made my way onto that stage. I got myself into a comfortable pose. I relaxed and I breathed. And after about five minutes, they asked me to switch into a new pose, which I did. And I got comfortable and I just breathed. It was amazing. It was a really empowering experience. Interestingly enough, several years later, I'm finishing my book, which ended up being called Showing Up Naked, Peeling Away the Layers to Your Authentic Self. And as I started thinking about what the cover was going to look like, the only thing I could come up with was some sort of a nude image, but I didn't want it to be about nakedness. I didn't want it to be about nudity. I just wanted it to be about feeling so confident and comfortable in your own skin that it was like showing up naked. You're not hiding anything. You're just bold, confident, comfortable, claiming your space in the world. And so I decided to model nude for the cover of my book. And that's exactly what I did. I ended up publishing my book. The first edition of my book had a nude picture of me on the cover. The way that I was sitting, you couldn't see anything. You know, it was very discreet. It was very tasteful. And for about 10 years, that was the cover of my book. When I came out with my second edition, about 10 years later, I redid the cover because what I noticed was that the nude image was confusing people about what the book was about. It was more about the nude image on the cover than it was 
the information on the inside and the content inside the book. And I was spending a lot of time trying to explain to people that it wasn't about getting naked. It was, it was a symbolic thing. It was a metaphor for living so authentically. It's like you're showing up naked. So I changed the cover to something that would be a little less confusing for people. But my point is, that was my third defining moment where I faced my fear and I'm still appreciating the benefits of that moment to this day in my life because I do feel comfortable and confident claiming my space in the world. It's not about getting naked. I'm not walking around getting naked. I'm not a nudist, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's just about the energy of knowing I belong here and I'm comfortable in my own skin and I'm okay with taking up space in this world. So that was the third defining moment. As I mentioned, with each of those defining moments, I learned something. With the first one, it was about facing my fear and noticing my self-talk. With the second one, it was about facing my fear and observing my mind and all of the ways that it attempts to make me play it safe or small. And the third situation with nude modeling was about facing my fear and claiming my space in the world. So when we look at 2020 and the fears that are circling around for everybody right now, there's an opportunity here to notice our self-talk, witness and observe what our minds are doing in the face of that fear, and comfortably and confidently claiming our space in the world. So I want to invite you to look at those three things, four things. Number one, what role does fear play in your life? Maybe this is worth journaling about. What role does fear play in your life? Number two, what's your self-talk like? Noticing how you talk to yourself when you're in a moment of fear. Number three, observing your mind and what it does with that fear. Notice your mind's attempts to make you play it safe and play it small. And number four, how comfortable are you claiming your space in the world? Remember, that has nothing to do with getting naked. That was my example. That was my lesson. For you, it might look like something completely different. What does claiming your space in the world look like to you? What does that mean to you? Because in our lives, we're never going to get rid of fear. Fear is a part of the human condition, right? But we can recognize fear when it's happening. We can call it by name and we could have a different response to it. So as we start to wrap up 2020 and move into 2021, what a wonderful opportunity to start really looking at your relationship with fear and allowing yourself to become greater than the fear, to be more expansive than the fear so that your fears don't stop you. Maybe they make you think things through, but they don't stop you. I hope that this 
podcast episode has been helpful. If it has, please let me know so. And if you're not already on my email list, consider going to ericaboucher.com and signing up for my emails. I send out an email only about once a week, if that, and I'm almost always including a free yoga practice, a guided meditation, or some other inspirational material. And I'm getting ready to launch an entirely new course focused specifically on essential communication skills for healthy relationships. And these are communication skills everybody should know. Chances are you have not been exposed to this anywhere else. And if you are in any kind of a relationship, and again, who's not? You're in a relationship with yourself, you're in a relationship with everyone around you, and you're in a relationship with the world, right? We're all in relationships. We're always in relationship to life and the world around us. And so if you're in a relationship, and you are, then you want to get your hands on this information. Again, go to ericaboucher.com, sign up for my email list, and stay tuned. Thank you so much for joining me today. And until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of Always Evolving. Please feel free to share this episode with anyone you think might appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this podcast, let me know by leaving me a five-star rating. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing, keep evolving.